Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hi there. Welcome to Grief to Growth Podcast. Your host is Brian Smith, spiritual seeker, best-selling author, grief survivor, and life coach. Brian believes that the worst tragedies of life provide the greatest opportunity for growth. Brian says he was planted, not buried, and he is here to help you grow where you've been planted by the difficulties in life. In each episode, Brian and his guests will share what has helped them to survive and thrive. It is his sincere hope this episode helps you today. Hey, everybody. This is Brian back with another episode of Grief to Growth. And today I've got with me, uh, my guest is Dr. Allison J.K. And Dr. Allison is, is for more than 25 years, she's practiced a mind-body energy. She's a practiced as a mind-body energy healer, founding the Vibrational Upgrade System and working in yoga, meditation, qigong, energy medicine, mind-body fitness, longevity, and holistic health with a specialization in the chakra system. Considered as one of the leading experts in her field, she's taught around the world and has written three books, the award-winning What If There's Nothing Wrong, Vibrational Upgrade, A Conspiracy for Your Bliss, Easing Humanity's Evolutionary Transition, Reasonable Dragons, How to Activate the Field of Possibilities, Where Logical Magic is the New Normal, and her latest book is The Dragon Master Creatrix, Conversations with a Female Spiritual Teacher for These New Times. So with that, I want to welcome Dr. Allison Kay. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. I'm glad to be here with you. Yeah, thanks for being here. I, th- I know this is going to be a great interview. We've got so many different ways to go, so we'll try to organize this a little bit and, and see what we can what we can get done. Now, I know you're um, you're basically you're an energy healer specialist, and you've got a, a system called Vibrational Upgrade. So, tell me about what that is and how you developed it. So, Vibrational Upgrade system seems to be what I found after all these years of being a meditator and teaching meditation and then thousands of sessions with clients and using the subtle energy system. Um, I moved over to Asia to live for a decade to actually study in depth how energy flows in the body and in the earth and how to help people have the most robust well-being in mind, body, and spirit. So um, I came back and I found that the coupling of the two traditions I was the most steeped in, meditation and yoga, Mm-hmm. And how energy flows, the traditional Chinese medical system, like my Qigong teaching, coupling those in a system of clearings and activations in the subtle energy body, coupled with then applied mindfulness to help extrapolate out and solidify and stabilize the new behavior. So I have also specialty certification as a behavioral change specialist. It's through ICF and it's part of my personal trainer uh, renewal certification. And, And so I go for permanent change. I'm not like, I came back to the States in part with the mission to professionalize energy medicine, because I feel like in the West we're suffering way more than we, we, we need to be. And it's because we just kind of run from the inside uh, we tend to be trained in, in indoctrinated culturally that there's a boogeyman at the back of the head. There's a monster under the bed. If we go inside, we'll find our crazy. When in fact, like living over in Asia, I would see monks everywhere dressed in their robes. Like I go to the morning veggie market or I'd be in Bangkok on vacation and see a monk with a cigarette and a cell phone. So it was a part of everyday life. And what that symbolized for me, though, was the understanding that going inside mm-hmm. is a practice. It's not just something nice to talk about. It's something that it was like flagged symbolically by seeing the monks that there's this whole doctrine of, okay, so if the basic Buddhist premise is every human mind's neurotic, 
here are the tools to work with your own particular flavor of neuroses. So I came back to the States with that mission of helping professionalize the field of like, I don't even call myself an energy healer because I, I, I that sets up like an expert and I'm, I'm doing all this healing. Mm-hmm. And while I absolutely do, I mean, to the point of erasing brain tumors off of somebody's head and chronic pain gone and all sorts of stuff healed. I don't like to use that word because I feel like there's all these old connotations, whereas instead I'm helping people get with training wheels on first, I'm getting their back with doing some clearings on the unconscious and subconscious mind. So more consciousness is freed up for them to use consciously for you to use consciously. And then you have more capacity to eventually have new behaviors from new thoughts Hmm. and make new choices. So then the training wheels come off once that applied mindfulness following up on the energy medicine is taught and coached to a person. So it's the way I found to get permanent behavioral change. And the chakra column is like the most predictable systematic way to go through any kind of issue. Somebody presents to me, whether it's mental, emotional, spiritual, or physical, I can listen for just even a few moments. My intuition's already flagging. Okay. Where do I go in from with Mm. chakra meaning? Mm -hmm. Because each of the seven chakras are related to a part of life. So grief is get is carried in the heart um, as one might guess. But if you have, therefore, from grief, grief is so wild, right? I mean, it is the most unpredictable range of emotions that there is. Um, I remember being very surprised by some of the um, output of what grief gave and created and how long it took when it seems like it's done and over with and then something else reminds and, and just watching the curve of when it goes from like, the most intense pain possible to eventually being something lighter and even inspirational, like that whole trajectory coming fresh off the loss and then moving forward, it involves certain chakras. And if we knew what to do with the grief to make more fertile use of it, it may not go on for so I've seen it not go on for so long and I've seen it yield incredible harvests so I would love to talk about that, but um, I can wait on that. Yeah, I do want to talk about that, but let's let's cover some a uh, basic thing first because people have heard of chakras, people in in the West, and, and, but I don't think a lot of people really know exactly what the chakra system is or what the chakras are. I know you touched on it briefly, but could you explain what they are and how they can be useful to us? I love how how casually you're asking that nowadays. I remember I did an interview back in 2011, and I had been back to the States for a year, and an interviewer asked me about my first book. Um, Isn't this stuff all woo-woo? Now, I had just come back from, sorry about the phone, I had just come back from a decade in Asia in the holistic model where they value energy over the physical Mm -hmm. to the point that some of my Chinese friends were like more dreamy than they were like geared in physical action. Like we are so much in the States, right? Right, right. So they were all out of balance in the other direction. Mm-hmm. And with one of the traditional Chinese medical tenants being, I'm so sorry for my phone. Um, I meant to shut it off before we got on. So okay. excuse me, everybody. There it is. So we're blood, where chi goes, blood follows. So that's meaning where energy goes, the blood follows. So, mm-hmm. Physical follows energy, meaning even in the quantum physics realm, energy trumps matter. For something to first, for something to exist physically, it has to first exist in energy. Hmm. So when this interview were back in this, so I lived that for ten years in a society organized around energy being more important, rules, laws, social customs, everything was about energy and feeling was prominent in the physical secondary. So I come back to the States year in, and this interview is saying, isn't this all woo? And I, I said to him at this point, it just came flying out and it was intuitive. It wasn't reactive. You know, I think at this point it feels in, in, ignorant to suggest that this stuff is woo woo. When over half of the rest of the world operates from the understanding that energy is more important than the physical. And that in fact, if we paid attention to the invisible in a little bit less attention to the visible and the material, we might actually be much happier. So it's been a mission of mine to professionalize the understanding of energy. So I appreciate what the way you just asked that about the chakras so casually. So yeah, chakra means wheel <laughs> from Sanskrit to English mm-hmm. and it turns vital life force energy. That's our English term, vital life force energy 
that is the translation of qi from qigong or tai chi in the Chinese culture or prana from the yoga practices. Prana is the way they say chi or vital life force energy. So chakra is from yoga. It's it's why when you leave a yoga class and you've done some poses, possibly not like, you know, a shtanga or a vinyasa flow, but a, a, maybe a softer one, mm-hmm. but even the more athletic ones, because I'm certified in a shtanga flow. They're all modeled after opening certain chakras. So you leave feeling so good because you're opening the chakras more and more energy is flowing through them and therefore throughout your system. So you're feeling much more um, balanced and awake and lighter. So a chakra, we have seven of them, top of the head, in between the eyebrows, throat, heart, upper belly, beginning of digestive tract, lower belly, uh, inch below navel, and then tailbone, the root. And Mm -hmm. each of these carries certain um, parts of life. They relate to certain parts of life, like I said. So if I have a throat chakra, as you do, we all do, and it turns that chi out in the area of the body, the chakra is sitting in, it is the intersection of mind, body, and spirit. So if you could think of this as an urban center, and then the heart chakra is an urban center, and this one up here is an urban center, there's all of these side routes and interstates and highways that lead from one to the other. Hmm. these are the main centers and that means that's how energy like the heart chakra is responsible for the arms the hands the wrists so the in each chakra covers an endocrine gland so the throat is the thyroid the heart is the thymus each chakra also has been seen to be at the if you look at the spinal column the biggest gathering of nerve ganglia that have neuroreceptors that receive messaging from the brain as Mm -hmm. central nervous system they're centered where each chakra is in the back so those are our two main communication systems, chemical, electrical, mm-hmm. and the chakras cover them. So there's the body, then there's the spirit. So I can access past life stuff or um, just leave it at that, karma too. <laughs> and then there is also the mind. And so that's all levels. If it's the intersection of mind, body, and spirit, the mind is all the levels of consciousness. So as we sit here talking, Brian, our we have our conscious mind. That's like 15% of where we make our daily choices from, Hmm. but the rest of it. So at least 85% and I'm being generous, the the estimates and what my experience is in working with people, it's more than that. where We're Hmm. making daily choices from, and it's from the unconscious and the subconscious. So that's all robotic. Like when you drive, you don't, we don't say to ourselves now that we've mastered the skill. We don't go, okay, put it into reverse take foot off brake, put foot on gas, right? We've, we used to say that when we first learned. Right, right. But now it's back in the subconscious. So everything as small as that to, let's say I'm single and I'm trying to get out of the bad boy gig and I want to start dating good guys and I'm at a party, heterosexual female, and I go piloting towards the bad boys at the party. And mm-hmm. my peripheral vision doesn't even catch the good guys, the new kind of guy, because at the unconscious and subconscious level, I'm used to focusing on what I'm used to focusing on and I'm not seeing anything new or other different possibilities because of all of that uh, behind the, I want to call it back of the house consciousness Mm -hmm. that I haven't cleared out to bring to more conscious mind to make more conscious choices. Mm -hmm. So as we clear out blockages in each chakra, it frees up more consciousness or energy Let's just use it intertwined for this moment. Mm-hmm. So then I so then I actually become more conscious and I can make more conscious choices. So grief will block it down in the heart chakra. And so um feeling if you were involved in something, or even if you weren't, you may blame yourself for the grief, for the death, for the loss. Mm-hmm. So that's going to hit the the lower two chakras that well, the third and the second chakra. So you may have less vitality, you may have less self-confidence, you may have less to go out there in the world and manifest. But if we were to clear the blockages out of those secondarily, those secondary chakras too, along Mm -hmm. with what the grief is, it would help come out of the grief quicker because the blockage would be sustained for as long. And then it would be transformed into something positive because on the other side of all this blockage stuff I'm talking about, Brian, is all our potential. So, you know, there's half dealing with like what blocks down it, what blocks the chakra, the aspects that block it. But then there's also all the positive help for life that we get from a chakra. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's all the whole potential part. That's where I like to play. But I yeah, you, it's interesting that you you just said that because I, I work with a lot of parents who, who have lost children. 
And an almost universal thing is no matter how the child passed is uh, guilt. It it, it was somehow my fault, whether it was a a brain aneurysm or it was a suicide or it was a death by overdose. Somehow as a parent, we take that on ourselves. And I've never heard it put that way, that it actually affects those lower chakras in addition to the grief that's affecting the heart. Yeah. 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 that's that, that was an interesting point. So what so what is the vibrational upgrade? What does that do? So the vibrational upgrade is like I'm going to do a mini one in a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to clear out parts of what's blocking, and then it's going to activate the potential to move beyond the pain and suffering part, or the difficult part, or the react the part that makes you triggered and reactive, mm-hmm. like you're. If you tend to, if like I just got done with a client, she's wanting to come out of being so competitive and she keeps comparing herself with others in the group and she wants to stop that. And so the other side of that is collaboration and cooperation. So while we clear out potential blockages, like imprinting from her parents or conditioning from her, her youth growing up with her sisters and being pitted against one of them in particular. So that imprint and childlike subconscious logic of, if I want to please my parents, I'm supposed to be competing with my sister. Mm-hmm. That's what she was taught from ages two to eight, how to live life on planet earth in very simplified form. Mm-hmm. So to clear out that subconscious block from childlike logic that we all get up to doing. So zero to two, we don't separate from mom and dad their thoughts and feelings and are ours. But at two, when we start going, no, with the terrible twos. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's the separation. And that's when we start to become independent individuals. And mm-hmm. so from about there to eight, we're busy looking around saying, okay, how do I do life on planet earth? And so we may see our older brother, like what's, do you have any siblings? I do. Yes. I have three younger siblings. Oh, you're the oldest of four. Mm-hmm. I'm the second of four. Um, so what's something that your younger brother or sister compares themselves against you for and say you do, and it's known you do it better and they're always trying to catch up? Oh, wow. <laughs> now, I mean, I'm almost 60. I don't know. If, I hope they're not still trying to catch up with me. But, um, you know, our, our value really value, our family really value good grades. So, and I was, I was a really good student. So I would imagine maybe they felt some pressure to, to be good students. Very diplomatically answered, sir. <laughs> well done. They might actually listen, so I have to be careful. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> so let's say, let's say, okay, so there you're setting the high threshold, good grades. It's that. So one of the questions we ask is, how do I get that loving family feeling mm-hmm. from mom that I see older brother get? Oh, so here he is coming home with that big paper with that big red A plus. I got to get myself that to get that good feeling I want. Mm-hmm. But then that would end up with childlike logic. But what might then happen, and this is how blocks typically get formed, is that child could then become, that belief could become an overdrive into, mm-hmm. I need to be a perfectionist to get that love and attention. So then that suppressed, so then that becomes a block on the self-confidence, self-esteem of the third chakra. Mm-hmm. Um it's a little bit to deal with the root chakra, which is your right to be here. So that sibling may feel like I have less of a right to be here unless I am as good as him or even better. So to clear out those blocks and then transform it into your own potential. So it would either be your self-confidence and self-esteem no matter what. And that would be exponentially able to increase because it's just reaching your potential in that regard, or yes, you absolutely have the right to be here. So the person becomes more embodied and more present. That's the other half of the vibrational upgrade. So first is clearings the blocks and then there's activating of the, the potential. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's mindfulness coaching afterwards to help the person understand and see the opportunity to make a new choice and how to have the courage to make different new choices with that freed up consciousness where they're no longer absolutely unconscious or having no choice because it's in the subconscious. It's just something they automatically choose. Mm -hmm. There's no conscious evaluation. Now with this clearing, they're able to see consciously, I actually have choice there, but then it's about mindfully coaching them to mindfully have the courage to make new choices with that new consciousness. Cause a lot of the times people have the new presented to them and they run. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to circle back around to something you said at the very beginning when we talked about the way we are in the West versus the way people are, you know, around the rest of the world. You know, um, I, my my experience has been that people will do what what works for them or they think is working for them until it doesn't work anymore. So what happens? You you, you talked about this woo woo, and I hear that a lot when I'm when I'm talking to people. But it's more like, okay, I've gone through this grief event, and whatever I was doing before is not working for me anymore. My my religion, my spirituality, whatever that was, my belief that I could pull myself up by my bootstraps, it's it's not working. So people become open to more things. So what I'm seeing is people here are more open because this idea that we have that we are just these biological robots and we can just overpower everything and just do 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 all the time and ignore our spirituality. I think that's starting that notion is starting to fall apart in the West. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm testing out a new feature. I'd love to get your feedback on it. It's called Fan Mail, and you can send me a message right from the show notes of the podcast. So look for the link that says send me a text. You can ask a question for a future podcast. You can suggest a guest or just give me any feedback you want. Just remember, it is one way I can't text you back, and I will not have your name, your email address, or your phone number unless you include it in the message. Let me know what you think. Absolutely. I was giving the example from when I first came back mm-hmm. so that, yeah. and that was at this point 10 years ago. So, yeah. so what I know about that is this, <laughs> if you want me to expand upon that. Yeah, yeah please. Okay. It's only because I, I, I've done work here that I mm-hmm. feel like I have the um, opportunity to share something that might help people out there. In uh, 2011, around that same time, I was approached by Voice America to do a radio show about the Mayan galactic alignment on May, pardon me, on December 21st, 2012. Mm -hmm. I I wasn't doing anything with that at all. I was, but I said, okay, let me think about it. I'll get back to you in 48 hours. And I did. And as I thought about it, I didn't really think about it. I just felt the yes, this is an opportunity for you to move forward on your path. This is meant for you. Take it. I did. In the process, I was in, I interviewed specialists and scientists from around the world. First, for my first book, What If There's Nothing Wrong? Because in it, I had quoted what limited scientific t- um, techniques there had been developed to measure subtle energy and to measure the effects of meditation. So I had those scientists on but on my radio show or podcast, but I also had on specialists about this December 21st, 2012 shift. And when I came to understand, and I actually was on a yoga cruise. I was a yoga teacher and energy medicine practitioner for, with a bunch of specialists about this galactic alignment of December 21st, 2012 in the Caribbean down to the Mayan ruins of Chichen Itza, where we got special permission to be with the Mayan shaman at the pyramids. And it was on TV. It was such a big deal. Although I was seen all the way over in Poland, I had somebody report to me. So I was with a whole bunch of specialists um, from all over the place, like astronomers, new thought leaders, um, astrologers, uh, geologists, uh, specialists in, um, uh, how do I say this? Um, when I say new thought, I mean kind of like how one age is leading into the next. And, mm-hmm. and the mind. So then later, let me just fast forward. I then went to Teotihuacan, Teotihuacan outside of Mexico City in 2019, had a Mayan native guide, and I asked him to answer the question, what do you know about this old era versus this new era that was started in 2012? And he said the old one is about destruction and the new one's about construction. So Brian and listeners, my second and third books are dedicated to this topic. The 20 years of 2012 to 2032 are meant to be an entire paradigm shift so when you say i think people are more spiritually aware now absolutely because part of what's coming into balance or back into balance if it ever even has been is the spiritual with the material Mm -hmm. and the masculine with the feminine i don't mean genders i mean within each of us so if i take a lot of action that's a very young or masculine energy flow if i Mm -hmm. sit inside and listen to my intuition a lot then that's a very yin or feminine energy flow we want the balance of both so that I get inspired guidance that I then take action on so that every action I take is conservatively conserving my energy and it's targeted and it's easily um, 
actualized or easily successful mm-hmm. as it's in alignment. So um, what we're seeing is maybe more corporate people are starting to become more interested in yoga and meditation. We can see that out there. Um, but then we're also seeing more spiritual people being led to getting over the money being the root of all evil, but allowing themselves to have more than enough money. Um, everything that's been in the shadows whether it's on our earth and the cleansing that our earth is going through, or it's a culture or it's a systemic societal gig that is not in balance, it's coming to the surface to be cleared. So whether it's institutional sexism, institutional racism, or it's abuse of power, or it's um, like marches in the streets, which, which we're seeing more of, or there's a rise in dictators, um, or authoritarian regimes around the world is because that's a fever peaking before it breaks. That's how natural healing happens. However, if I've been asking for years, what if we didn't need crisis to grow? So I see COVID as that. And when COVID started, I said, I'm not going to philosophize about the meanings of COVID. I've been talking about this grand shift since 2011. And I, I know that diagnoses like brain tumors cause people to rally and change because they have to look at alternatives Mm -hmm. typically. And it's the same with divorce, loss of job or grief and loss of a loved one. Loss of a loved one's different because I believe in karma. There's no way I could have lived for a decade in Asia or not. Um, But I also see the effects of it. Um, Karma is not punishing. It's just kind of action consequences action consequences Mm -hmm. but there's past life carryovers so when my mom died um i had successfully wiped a brain tumor out of her head uh surprising the doctors to the point that they said this is a miracle keep doing whatever you're doing i left after she was successfully healed and went back to teaching in the international school system So she ended up getting on Western meds at some point and eventually she lost her life um, because of a seizure from the side effects. So one of the things I heard around that time, so this is 2009, was that for the days coming up, 2012 to 2032, a lot of our soul, our loved ones are going to be leaving because they can be more of a help from the other side. I know when I tune in to clients, it is, I don't have a word, stupendous, marvelous. Like I have this one Native American client and she's in my magic manifestation and money flow program. And it's fascinating when I tune into her field and I do a clearing and activation on her because I can feel her ancestors like going, like there's like this extra buoyancy of support around her every time I tune in. and, and I mean, I train people how to tune into the other um, dimensions or how to attune their intuition higher so that they can go beyond the, un- the planes that we shouldn't be tuned into because they're, no, they're no fun and cause us troubles, but how to use our intuition to tune into what will help us mm-hmm. live our best lives. Um, and there's a lot of help for us all on planet Earth right now. Um, and I think the loved ones who've crossed over are a part of that. So I just, I, I, I don't, I know that grief is involving someone we love and there's karma. I mean, one of the things I've not really ever been able to nail is death date. So if I'm working with somebody with a chronic illness, I'm not shown their date to leave. I'm not even typically shown, and this is wild. I'm not even typically shown if I'm working with them to help them get better or to help them cross over. Right. So I, I have the ability to do that. My, although I don't, I don't typically like right. my master was super good at sitting at hospice bedsides. I don't, I want to help people learn how to thrive in their bodies on planet earth here and create a better world for all of us. Mm-hmm. So nonetheless, I have done it when I've been asked to, like, I'm just in surrender to this capacity I have. So, right. um, I still don't get told the death date. It's a very elusive, mysterious thing. And it's very personal, the entry date and the exit date. Mm-hmm. So we have no, we're hands off, man. Even if it's our spouse we've been with for 60 years, side by side, we are hands off. Yeah. With, 
their contract. So, yeah. Well, you, you talked about, um, you talked about the, the, the death date. You talked about karma. And, and we, the thing is for me, I don't see death as, and I know you're not saying karma is a punishment. A lot of people think it is. It's like you do something bad, something bad happens to you. So karma is punishment. So, Therefore, if my daughter passed away early, I must have done something wrong in this life or, or, or previous life that caused her to, quote, die. I don't believe anybody dies. So we just step from one life into another life, first of all. Plus, a lot of parents will say that. And I'm like, well, how could your karma cause your daughter to die? That doesn't make sense that, that you're saying she was punished because of something that you did. So I don't I don't. I don't see death as a punishment for, for one thing. And it's interesting as healers, and I love what you said about that. You don't know if you're there to, to help them stay in their body or to help them cross over because not everyone is meant to be healed all the time because we all come with an expiration date. None of us lives forever. So at some point it's our time to go back into spirit. And sometimes that's to serve a higher role from where we are. So I don't get all caught up in, you know, why did this person die at this time? And I don't think that's really helpful when people, when they do, because we all go back. The why question is not one that leads to ease and comfort and successful responses of clarity. Right, right. Just said that to, to one of my clients today. Like, just stop asking the question why. It's, it's not helpful. Yeah, well, yeah. I think, I think we all, we do. We naturally as humans ask that. And, and, you know, the thing is I study a lot near death experiences, for example, and they, they all tell us or not all, but most of them tell us everything is the way it's supposed to be. And one day you will understand. So what I tell my clients is right now, you just have to have faith that it's, that it's for the greater good. And, and what are you going to do with it? That's the question. You know, what am I going to do now? Not why did this happen? We'll get back to grief to growth in just a few seconds. Did you know that Brian is an author and a life coach? If you're grieving or know someone who is grieving, his book, Grief to Growth, is a best-selling, easy-to-read book that might help you or someone you know. People work with Brian as a life coach to break through barriers and live their best lives. You can find out more about Brian and what he offers at www.grieftogrowth.com, www.grief2growth.com, or text GROWTH, G-R-O-W-T-H, to 31996. If you'd like to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash grief to growth, www.patreon.com slash G-R-I-E-F, the number two, G-R-O-W-T-H, to make a financial contribution. And now, back to Grief to Growth. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi there. I'm really excited to tell you about my latest ebook. It's four lessons that you can learn from the near-death experience without going through all the trouble of dying to learn them. I've been studying NDEs for several years now. I am completely convinced that not only are they 100% real, but that there's some very universal wisdom that we can get from the near-death experience. And I've distilled that down in this book into four short lessons. And I've also given you all the reasons why I believe the NDEs are absolutely real. So go to www.grieftogrowth.com slash NDE lessons to pick it up for free www.grief2growth.com slash NDE lessons. I hope you enjoy it. Yep. Yep. How do I continue to honor my gift of life here yeah. now? Yeah. So Brian, there's, I, I want to share this with you. I mean, there's ways that we could work with the person so that they would more easily choose to be here and cut off the grief and the asking of why if we were to get light into them. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's part of the vibrational upgrade system. It's foundational because that light carries divine intelligence and everything has its own knowing. So it's just like what you're saying, like there is a, I don't want to say there's a plan to it all, but is there not? I mean, we affect it with our choices, you know, but there's also, I think difference between like, um, destiny and fate fate is from our choices right it's neutral it's not like punishing again it's it's this choice led to these consequences when there are these consequences this is the the effect mm -hmm. very simple neutral observation right Around, yeah mm -hmm. and destiny is more like it's kind of you come in with those particular 
points that are going to be reached. Even if you take five extra years because you're, you know, goofing off over there, you're still going to end up over there with that destined thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there is this surrender to the divine orchestration of it all that with our myopic, and I know this doesn't necessarily help the heart when it's steeped in grief, but from our little myopic ego minds positioning to assume that we need to take responsibility because I'm the parent, my child died. I therefore am responsible. Like it's, it's grotesque suffering piled yeah. upon oneself unnecessarily. And it's assuming the positioning of the divine, which is arrogant. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's something we have to gently find a way to say to people that, that you're, you're assuming that you, you know best and you're also assuming that you're all powerful, that you, you caused this or you could have somehow prevented it. And, and you're not, you just, we have a lot of power, but we don't have that much power. You got it. That's yeah. And, and I, I love how you said we get to find a soft way to say that to people. I, I, I will be fierce at times when it's necessary mm-hmm. and I'm mm-hmm. being incredibly soft at other times. So I pull out the tools and I'm trusting that whoever is listening to this needed to hear the, the less soft version. Yeah. Yeah. And I that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not criticizing that at all. I'm just saying no, when, when, I'm, when, when I'm working with clients, a lot of times they're really early in, in grief and they're, it's so raw. And when you talk, come to someone like that and say, there's a plan to this, you know, it's going to be okay. You know, they, I don't even want to hear that. Right. It's, I, I have, I can't hear that because I'm so wild in my guilt and my grief and just let me hold on to this guilt. You know, that's another thing we, we punish ourselves. It, it's amazing to me how many people just beat themselves up and they'll tell me things that I'm like, what you're saying doesn't even make any sense. You couldn't have caused Let's talk that. About that. Let's talk yeah. about that. Yeah, let's what, do. what you're saying doesn't even make sense. Um, what I have seen is, so if, if we have like that example with the sibling uh, becoming a perfectionist mm-hmm. from earlier on our conversation, then there is the perception of like, maybe you were raised by a very punitive authoritative mother and dad was absent and you had granddad and he was really our old school uh, punisher. And so coming out of your household, your imprints from your parents and your lineage where there's been strong discipline action, disciplinary action taken all the way through and then your subconscious conclusions have been there's I'm supposed to be punished. I get punished a lot. Mm-hmm. I get to be I get a, therefore another an additional conclusion that happens on the on above that or afterwards is I therefore have to be careful because I'm always going to need to watch out for getting punished. So there's already that level of programming in a person that would make one set of parents really grab onto the self punishment of grief and feel comfortable like it's an old coat. Mm-hmm. versus somebody else who won't go there as much. So by by understanding the unique back of the house consciousness of a certain client, you can help them shift out of the grief where they're getting the most stuck right. uh, sooner. Right. Yeah. Well, that's that's a really good point. I like I like that whole the, the back of the house thing you're talking about. And I think about not only in the third our third tearing parent, but sometimes what we're taught by our church, cool. for example. Totally that that God is there punishing me. And therefore, if something goes wrong, I must have done something wrong because God is punishing me. And he wouldn't punish me if I hadn't done anything wrong. So we start looking around for what, what did we do to cause this? Why did, why did we deserve this? Yeah, that's another thing. Why do we deserve that? And then the why, that's that why question again. Why God, oh, why? Um, I don't deserve this. And, and I remember my dad, when he was losing my mom or he lost my mom, he was like, you know, we were just getting ready to retire together. We busted our asses our whole lives. We raised all you kids and now we're ready to have our golden years. And she goes and leaves. Yeah. He was pissed as hell at God. And he's a really good religious man. Mm-hmm. So um, I feel like the one of the things, and I don't mean to say I feel like what I have seen and what I know about these times and this grand shift that we're going through now is to restore some of the power that previously had been surrendered to external authority figures to ourselves through our choice. And so that means doctors, that means rabbis, that means priests where we have deferred to someone outside of ourselves, the authority over us, as opposed to our own knowing And our, and I don't, I mean, you can observe if your body does well off of French fries versus if your body does well off of zucchini Mm-hmm. You know, and you can see how you feel afterwards. And so naturalist observation using one of the three scientific methods, look, 
choose more of what makes you feel better, choose less of what makes you feel crappy, right. you know, <laughs> right. so rather than needing to go outside of yourself to a dietitian, even, or rather, rather than having to have your doctor put you on medication because he knows what's wrong or she knows what's wrong and has to take all these tests. Are you feeling good in your body? Mm -hmm. Then if you're not, look at what your practices and habits have been doing. I'm not saying everybody stop going to doctors, but like one of the things I quote in my first book is these two doctors coming out of Dartmouth med school, they're professors teaching med school there. And they're 14 years into their practice outside of um, graduating. And they're saying, you know, I can't even keep up with the times, the numbers, the rates of for blood cholesterol, blood pressure, and uh, when we're supposed to medicate somebody, because what used to be totally safe zones that we wouldn't even bother looking at for somebody is not only a, was once a warning zone. Now it's we medicate at. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, so it's it's I mean, understanding that we've been giving up our authority, our power over and that our parents and grandparents have been totally conditioned to that. And we've inherited that. And part of the challenge nowadays is to come out of that. Um, it's funny. The chakra that involves our voices is also the chakra that involves courage and where we create our creativity, but from our choices, not like macrame mm-hmm. only, you know, but where we make, we create our lives from every choice we make. Right. Our inherent power is our free will. And that's all the same chakra, the throat one. How many people have thyroid issues right now? You know? Yeah, but yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah. I want to go back to something you said earlier. We, we were talking about growing through crisis. And that yeah. I think that's an interesting thing because obviously the podcast is called Grief to Growth. And, I, you know, my theory has been that people kind of need crisis to give them a kick in the butt to get them moving. Otherwise, we just kind of, if something's working, we just kind of do the same thing. But uh, so is there a way that we can avoid crisis for growing? We can we can say, I don't, I don't want to go through the pain. Let me just, let me just get the lesson. <sighs> I want to hug you with that question. Um, that's what I'm all about, right? Is if mm-hmm. we go, if we stop living robotically and if we free up that consciousness so that we can make much more conscious, alive choices, then we're not going to need crisis to wake us up because we're going to proactively be choosing to be awake. So one of the biggest symptoms I see people come to me with a lot of this was happening like from 2000 to 20 from 2010 to 2012, right when I got back um, from Asia, it was there's people coming in with these gray clouds over their heads, um, just like a thick malaise of boredom, like a coating mm-hmm. that was visible, but I'm like, I could sense it. I could almost see it. Mm-hmm. And it's this way of living robotically where you're task oriented and you, your ego, our ego minds like, comfort and safety. I mean, there our egos are given to us to keep us safe mm-hmm. in the jungle, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, do I fight or do I go into flight? So we have that whole adrenal cortex that starts at the brainstem. And I, 85% of Americans I've come to find out, but from my own assessment with all the people I've worked with are in adrenal burnout, some form of it, because we push so much and take so much action here. So what I'm saying is, is that our culture indoctrinates us to value that which is produced from being active, the material goods, the material gains, the outward proof of success. Mm-hmm. And when you're living that lifestyle, the use in our system that we're making use of is that which keeps us robotically engaged. So momentum breeds momentum. Yeah. So then that's when a crisis is needed to get a person to come off of that track where they're not examining or looking at anything and they're just going robotically. So how do we stop having crisis needed to wake us up? Well, we more live proactively by looking within, by going into that back of the house consciousness, clearing out some of that. And so we can also come out of the mind dominance and have the heart balanced with that. So it's mind and heart. The Chinese and yoga culture believe the Hindus that the spirit resides in the higher heart chakra. Hmm. So your intuition doesn't just come in the form of some groovy thing that you see in your third eye. It's also when you're excited about going somewhere or talking to somebody or attending that new workshop or listening to this podcast, excitement and enthusiasm, upliftment of the heart Mm -hmm. is one way you hear your guidance. So when you're living from the mind and you're task oriented, how much do you listen to what lights you up and to do more of that? 
you kind of shove it down or say, oh, that I'll do that on the weekend on my one day off if I can. So it's really a, 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 a change in priorities and values. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love the way you, the way you put that. And I think, um, yeah, we can, we can choose. It's interesting. I, I was telling you, I studied near death experiences a lot. And yeah. when you talk to a near death, people look at them and say, Oh, you're so lucky you got to have a near death experience. And I heard someone the other day that she said, no, I'm the hard headed one. I'm the one that had to have this experience. You don't have to have it. You can decide to be awake without going through the pain of a near death experience. And similarly, you know, we don't need to have these crises to wake us up. We can use them if they if they come along yeah. or if we if we put it into our soul plan, maybe. Because I've heard people say, I I put this in my plan. If I wasn't awake by the time I was 21, that I was going to do this to myself. Um, so I think there, there's a belief in that as well. But I love about your your system and your ideas. We can proactively start to get rid of some of this programming, this 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 robotic thing that we're on. And Things in the West that we call woo-woo and people, I don't like mindfulness. I don't like meditating. That's just, you know, I don't have time for that. Um, but it's it's so important to live a balanced life, as you, as you said. It's got to be both action and mindfulness. Yeah, and I'm not saying, like, uh, everybody has to go meditate for 30 days, for 30 days, for 30 minutes a day, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, everything's cured. I've cut, I've done shortcuts as part of what my system does. It's like I've seen my clients, my masterminders, and like the second year of working with me, have gains that I took five years to make myself. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm like, I left and moved to Asia when I was teaching the public school system here and doing the energy medicine sessions on the side, asking how do I get more robust results for my clients? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I was like, this isn't okay for me in my life. I'm feeling caged. I don't want to be in the school for another couple of decades with this salary level with the masters and I can barely afford basic stuff. This isn't okay with me. Where's the adventure? So I found the international school system and moved over to Asia and got both things accomplished. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'm different, right? But I created a system that quickens it for everybody. So when I'm saying what I'm saying and you're hearing me, I don't mean that a total lifestyle change means right. like these radical, compl- like don't go extreme, just incorporate like five minutes more a day to go look at the outside the window, mm-hmm. to go sit by nature. Another five minutes to maybe journal a little bit. Another five minutes for maybe stillness mm-hmm. here and there, patches, if it can seep in that way. Um, but it's it's this idea we're conditioned, Brian, it feels like to me, like I just did a meme the other day. Um, it takes a lot of repositioning and reconditioning to learn how to live in a possibilities focused paradigm than a problem focused. So why does marketing my work as a solution to the problem that you're suffering? And I'm going to push the pain points in order to get you to take action, to buy my service, work better than do you know that this is how high you could reach? Yeah, that's a great question because that's what we're taught. I, I'm, I'm a lifelong marketer. As I started up, you know, in sales, and the first thing that we, they taught us when we were in sales is go in and either find a pain point or create one. You know, if everything create one. Yeah, if everything's going well, find something that you can that you can say I can solve your problem. That's the first thing you do when you're selling something. Is like you have a problem, we need to solve it. And I've resisted that, Brian, all the way through. And my business coach uh, at first, uh, so at one point I was like, okay, let me try this. Let me deal with my own resistance and try this. I was, but the resistance was from strong guidance I got. Like there was an, I'm, I'm all about offering the alternative to fear-based mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. So she finally, my business coach finally termed it as inspirational uh, marketing as opposed to fear-based marketing. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, when I did collapse and, and moved into the resistance, that was based from following my knowing and did fear-based marketing. I attracted so many victim type people that couldn't, that couldn't afford to work with me and that I didn't want to work with. Mm. Frankly. So, and I also say to, um, I, if you're addicted to the struggle paradigm, I'm not the right mentor for you. You can read my books, but I'm going to push you too far out of your comfort zone of being used to having something to fix or problems to solve. Mm -hmm. Like, Learning how to sit and live in the possibilities and ask more questions and open up more and allow yourself to receive more support and have more ease and have more money and have more joy and have more vitality and nothing to heal and nothing to fix. How hard is that going to be for the average person to adjust to? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really great question. And that, and you're right. We're, we're, we're addicted to that. We're conditioned to that. 
And so it's, it's this, the first step, I guess, is saying, okay, I, I want to live with more, more ease. And I, and I, and I trust that it's possible. So you, you had mentioned we, before we started, we were going to do a, a clearing for people oh, yeah. to, to kind of understand what it is. So let's, let's see if we can do that. Wow. We talked about quite a bit. Um, <laughs> what a fun conversation. Thank you, Brian. The time flew. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I almost feel like it might not want to be about grief anymore. It might want to be about just right now what we're talking about being problem focused. Yeah. 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 I think that'd be fine. Yeah. Or would you prefer it be something needing a crisis to change? Uh, well, um, I'm just thinking about what, what's best for my audience. I mean, a lot of my audience is still in deep grief. They're still in those early phases of grief and they're trying to figure out how do I, how do I let go of this? How can I even look at the possibility of feeling better? So let's go there. Let's go to the initial thing I offered. Yeah. Um, and what I've been talking about for what, at least a third of our interview time together is mm-hmm. that if we can lighten it up in the beginning stage, this doesn't have to be so heavy or prolonged. Mm-hmm. So let's do that. So everybody who's listening, go ahead and close your eyes. If you're driving or operating any heavy equipment or machinery, please stop that. No bulldozer driving because you might get spacey. You might feel tingles. You might feel heat. You might feel nothing at all. And that's totally fine too. You might yawn. Your head might fall back. You might follow me into a place that feels kind of half asleep. You're kind of half asleep. So I'm going to be silent just for a moment. And when I ask the question, you're going to want to, Brian, on as proxy for your audience, please respond yes. And then when you're listening to this audience member, if you say yes, it invites the energy into more. I mean, it's a free will universe, so it kind of has to be invited in by you saying yes. And if you're not grieving, you don't have to resist it. You could just allow whatever lightning of your system wants to happen. The light has an intelligence of its own. So it's going to know what to prioritize and know what's not yours. So you can just totally surrender and trust this divine intelligence that's in the light. It's beautiful. Nothing to do but just sit back and receive. So anywhere and everywhere you have any feelings of grief, heaviness, constriction to your heart and chest that's weighing you down, would you be willing to allow for as much of that as possible to lighten? Yes. Okay. Thank you, Brian. So I'm going to be silent for just a moment invoking. So any and all karma as appropriate, burning all of that up, that's in any way contributing to the heaviness on your heart, whether it be grief or other causes, any and all free-floating thoughts and traumas, including but not limited to finding your loved one dead, the news of them having passed, the shock, any and all of the traumas involved that are in any way causing it to be difficult to let go of any of all of this big, huge guilt and grief. All imprints from your parents and imprints from your parents' parents and lineage. Make this more difficult to let go of, all conditioning, any and all contracts, oaths, vows, swearings, promises across all lifetimes and timelines, and any and all conclusions or projections or expectations or judgments or beliefs you have at any level of consciousness that is in any way causing you to hold on to the grief, make worse, make bigger the grief, have guilt or other heavy burdens on your heart, weighing down your heart, lightening this all up now. 
You might want to take an inhale and exhale. You can allow for more of the energy to move through you that way, more of the old to release. Good. Just felt some shifting into some lightness. Sunrise. So I'm going to ask that to keep running for each of the beloved listeners, both now and in the future when they catch this, for at least 30 days, at, no, at, for only 30 days after they listen to this for their highest and best. While I move on into the upgrade now, so any and all latent keys and codes and ancient wisdom and inherent or latent talents within you, and any and all blessings and support possible to bring this all into alignment for your highest possibilities and your highest potential to be realized, activating the upgrade now. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. That was great. Yeah, I, I, I love that. Um, you know, the, the two parts of that, right? There's, there's the letting go of the things that are that are holding us down and holding us back. And then but there's all you don't leave it at that. We're, we're also ready to make this upgrade. So how does a person know when they're when they're ready to make an upgrade? What are some of the, the indications that someone's ready to make an upgrade? When you're resisting it and you know you're you know that it's time for something new change to happen um, and you're you're fighting change and you're clenching even harder onto your routines and your habits hmm. um, another way is the physiologically excitement and fear are the same in our bodies so you might also want to recognize when you're questioning starting something new, if it feels in your solar plexus in your belly, like fear, mm. is it actually fear or excitement for mm. the new? Another way is if you find yourself talking to your friends and loved ones, I want a, and then you see like your choices and behaviors all leading towards not a, <laughs> mm-hmm you know that you have some blocks there that you could get cleared. So you're saying you want this thing, but you see yourself not choosing it, not going for the things that would help A, come online and be in existence. Yeah, That's when you know you have unconscious and subconscious blocks that if you were to clear them, you would actually be able to choose A. Wow. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. As you were saying that, I was thinking about, you know, this idea of the law of attraction that we we put out thoughts into the universe and and things come to us. But there's got to be action aligned with those thoughts, in my opinion. We can't just we can't manifest things just with our minds, not on not on this plane. Maybe on another plane we could do that. But on this plane, the, the actions have to line up with it. And there's so many people that do vision boards and everything. I want a big house. I want a new, I want a new car. I want, or I want to quit my job and, you know, go do this, but they don't take any action towards it. Yeah. It's fascinating to me as well. I remember just even a couple of years ago, I was dealing with some of my uh, people in magic manifestation and money flow. Mm-hmm. That's your program. So I deal with the law of attraction all the time, but I call it the law of magnetics. And so what you just said was between the thoughts or the visualizing that people are taught to do for on that thing, staying focused on the thing they want and having it. And you talked about action. Well, in between those, do you know what we can do is working with everything I've been talking about and more in a person's energy system. There's parts of our system that sing out 
more impactfully working more heartily the law of magnetics on our behalf Mm -hmm. if we have certain chakras open because of what they contain for its contents. The universe, it works on the same kind of harmonic that the universe does with its field. So we're a localized field and then Mm -hmm. we're surrounded by all these, this greater field of life. And so if we have a certain vibration, then we can more easily collaborate and catalyze the universe on our behalf to bring in the stuff with more ease, more synchronicities. So, Mm -hmm. but there's still, yes, has to be action. Um, Like sometimes people will be like, I want to win the lottery. Um, and they're not even buying tickets. I want, I want abundance. And they're not even, you know, the only thing they're doing is lottery tickets when they could be having a, B and C for revenue streams to give money more places and ways to find them. So yeah, Mm. it's interesting. I feel like it might be the initial opening for a lot of people where they were like, Oh, wow. The power of the mind, the power of visualization, the power of energy, the law of attraction, but they, they haven't grounded into a realistic overall picture of life. Right. Yeah, and it goes back to stuff you said earlier. People that listen to me get tired of hearing me say it, but I was, it's, it's everything's about balance. So you, we talked about the East paradigm and the West paradigm. And so we could, we could say, I'm just going to sit in this cave and manifest things. That's not going to happen. But in the West, we say, well, go out and just make it happen. Just keep doing more and doing more and doing more. That's not balanced either. We've got to, we've got to marry the two things together. And that, and that the, the male and the female energies you talked about earlier. And I, and I, I do think that we as a as a human race, especially in the West, have gotten way out of line with, you know, not understanding our spirituality, not understanding who we really are, why we're here. And we're just about doing. And I think that's why people are experiencing the burnout and the lack of joy in their lives, because they don't even know why they're here or who they are. Totally. Well said. And Brian, didn't COVID help answer some of that burnout by giving them more time at home and more space to look into themselves? Yeah. Enough. So are we actually, in fact, getting in that ask and you shall receive universe what so many people were actually asking for, but not with their minds? Yeah, exactly. I, and I'm, I'm kind of like you. I don't like to over spiritualize, you know, COVID, but it, everything in life can be an opportunity. It's just a matter of how we look at it. So if you are at home and you can't go out, you know, why not turn within for a while and see how that works out and see if you can. You know, if, if there's something to it, and I, I do see a lot of people taking advantage of this opportunity. And I think things I'm hoping that when we come out of this, the people remember the lessons that we've we've learned while we're going through it. I don't think we can go back. This has stayed. I think it stayed long enough that a corner has been turned. Yeah, stayed longer than I wanted. But I think I, and I, and I, I told somebody a couple of months ago, I'm like, I think it's going to stay until we learn the lesson. You know, we were told when it came, when it started, it was going to be six or eight weeks. And I was looking forward to being back out like last May. And then when it came to about October, November, I'm like, I think it's going to stay till it needs to stay as long as it needs to stay. Yeah. And anything we resist persists. So maybe we could all celebrate COVID more and maybe it'll go quite quicker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So if people want to reach you, want to work with you, what's the best way to get for, for people to get started? What's the best way for people to get started? Um, well, I have a YouTube channel. Uh, my website's vibrationalupgrade.com or my name, as you'll have in the show links, mm-hmm. Uh Jump into the Activate Your Magic program. That's the least expensive way, but not free. So you're getting delivery of sacred and new moon clearings and activations like you just heard me do you're getting a live zoom event and a live hour-long call um, per month with me the call being all clearings and activations you guys are just on mute and i'm just pounding them out by reading intuitively Hmm. your systems so that's the first level but then i have my signature program magic manifestation and money flow and then i have the mastermind which you have to be invited into Mm-hmm. So all of that's on my website, again, vibrationalupgrade.com and how to work with me. Um, I also have all my books out there. The Dragon Master Creatrix is the newest, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's on Amazon. Um, and that's a story form. The other three are nonfiction. This one's a story form where it's a woman going um, on an international retreat on her path of power to get trained in energy medicine. And uh, 
So half the book is narrated and the second half of each chapter is questions and answers with the spiritual teacher. And I'm giving away stuff out of my mastermind that I've never before like let outside of the mastermind because I'm such a traditionalist from my training. Um, like in Qigong, you can only learn the first move in a monastery and then you have to spend the rest of the year washing dishes and sweeping while you only know one move. And there's 18 overall because you have to like earn the right and prove that you're disciplined enough to have that power, hmm. right? There's all, that's a really quick description of why I'm so traditional and what I learned living over there, that it's not safe to necessarily just give away everything because you can burn people out when they're given this information in a, not in context. Mm-hmm. Like when people just go down the YouTube uh, rabbit hole, you know, it, it's, it, there's so much that wants to be, I do things in a very integrous way um, so that people are safe in the opening because you have to have a stable ego in order to clear it and like and, and destabilize it so you can become new mm-hmm. right? yeah. so the dragon master creatrix you're a really good listener brian you really take stuff in that's a good book for advanced people the dragon master creatrix that's on amazon okay that sounds great that sounds great it's been a pleasure having you uh on grief to growth and and meeting you and and having this conversation with you and I know the listeners are going to get a lot out of it. So thanks very much for being here. Good mission accomplished then always. Thanks. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I want to make it really easy for you to reach me. So just send me a text to three one nine nine six and simply text the word growth G R O W T H. In fact, you can right now just say, Hey Siri, Send a message to 31996, and when Siri asks you what you want to send, just say growth. You can do the same thing with OK Google. Thanks a lot. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to Grief to Growth. Brian hopes that you find this episode helpful and will come back for future episodes. Brian's best-selling book, Grief to Growth, Planted Not Buried, is a great resource for anyone who is coping with grief or knows someone who is. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support it, there are three things you can do to help. The first is to share the podcast with someone that you think it will help. The second is to go to iTunes, rate, and review the episode. The third way you can support the podcast is by becoming a patron. Head over to www.patreon.com slash grief to growth. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash grief, the number two, growth, and sign up to make a small monthly donation. Patrons get access to exclusive bonus content and knowledge that you are helping to spread the message of grief to growth. For more about Brian and grief to growth, visit www.grieftogrowth.com. Hey there, if you liked this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grieftogrowth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.